1: If you're interested in multifamily real estate, but don't know how or where to begin, our guide on how to start investing in multifamily real estate breaks down everything you need to know about identifying good investments plus real world examples. Download your copy in the show notes or visit lifebridgecapital.com forward slash start now to start your journey in multifamily real estate. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Stuart Moore. Thanks for being on the show, Stuart. Whitney, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, great to have you on the show. Insurance is something that is so important in our business and really probably in any business, most anyway, especially if it's dealing with real estate. But a little about Stuart, he joined Turner Wood and Smith Insurance in May of 2012 as a property casualty agent in the commercial division and became a partner in 2019. He's a graduate of Auburn University, was named captain of the golf team and twice the to the All-SEC golf team. Stewart specializes in multifamily insurance and can insure properties in all 50 states. Stuart, welcome to the show. Give us a little more about your background, but you know, let's dive into some insurance issues, whether it's success stories or pitfalls that our operators and investors that are listening need to know.
0: Yeah, so like you said, there I started, got into insurance, kind of fell out of the golf scene and fell into a friend that had an insurance shop and really never planned on getting an insurance. It just, just kind of happened and to get into the multifamily had a good friend who's in the property management business and he started sending me clients. And then from, from there it's just kind of grown on, on referral basis and it's gotten to where the last four or five years, it's probably 90% of the business that I write is in the multifamily sector. So you know it's been a good time to be in that business. We've cut our teeth on the Fannie and Freddie requirements and all that stuff. so a lot of different a lot of different markets and carriers that we use and We haven't insured everything in all 50 states, but I haven't seen any properties in Hawaii yet or Alaska, but I'd be glad to go see them if we need to.
1: Yeah, that sounds like a fun trip, a business trip, right? That would be a lot of fun. Well, well, let's jump in there a little bit about, you know, obviously you are majority now you're working with multifamily operators, multifamily properties, you know, insuring those deals. But let's talk a little bit about, you know, having a provider like yourself that operates, just with multifamily or the majority multifamily anyway, as opposed to someone that's say, you know, writing our insurance for our home or cars or things like that, that's also trying to insure multifamily. What are some differences that we need to be aware of in that insurance provider?
0: Just as far as knowing the marketplace and the biggest thing that we run into is when you start dealing with Fannie and Freddie or Bancorp or Arbor, just knowing what their requirements are, knowing that you're going to have to have a a three to five million dollar umbrella, or you're going to have to have, I think they've upped it, 15% for ordinance of law for different carriers where if you just go get a quote, anybody can run an insurance quote through a, a travelers or a nationwide system and it looks great, but then you may get to the closing and you may say, oh man, we need this and we need this and we need this. And next thing you know, it's five to $8,000 more and that's blowing up the closing and, and everybody's mad about it. So that's really the thing is is knowing the marketplace. Well, I'll leave it at that for right now.
1: Yeah. What are some of those requirements though that we should be aware of, You know, or anything that maybe is often overlooked by an operator?
0: Well, the biggest thing that we see is just figuring out what value to insure it for. The lenders are always going to have their, their requirements. The insurance company is going to have their requirements. Usually, I shouldn't say usually, a lot of times, the replacement cost that the insurance company thinks is gonna be more than the lender and you've got to explain that to somebody that, hey, well it appraised for this. Okay, well the insurance company's gonna want well, they want to insure it if they have to build it back. So you get some discrepancies there. Then, you know, just on the business income side of it, the amount that you have to insure, the umbrella, the umbrellas, you know, they keep going up. People keep needing more and more of them. And then one stickler is just ordinance and law, whereas if your building burns down, you need coverage to build it back to code the current code and that can be expensive with some carriers. some carriers will throw it in, it really just depends. but if you don't know that you need it and then it gets down to you know two days before the closing and, and they're like you don't have you don't have any of this it it can really really put everybody in a bind.
1: Of course. You know, as far as, you know, the number that you're trying to come up with and you're thinking about, you know, being able to build back, right? I was just thinking through that. Could you just elaborate on that a little bit as far as when do we need that level of insurance? I think a lot of people think they have, like insurance is just going to cover to build it all back, right? The way it was, but that's not always the case, right?
0: Right, yeah, and it, it, it keeps going up. I mean, the price of, hearing about the price of lumber and the cost of construction keeps going up a few Years ago, it seems like you could get carriers that would insure things for, we look at it on a per foot basis, and it'd be 60 or $70 a foot, which is just crazy. Now, most people are, are $100 or up to even $120 for, for newer stuff, which to me still seems kind of low, but I mean, you've got other coverage in there for the debris removal and, and things like that, so you're not obviously building it from the ground up. But it keeps increasing. And like I said, that's we run into that with people, especially buying new properties. Well, they, they get an appraisal and say it appraises for eight million and we're trying to insure it for 12 million. they want to know why. Why do I have to insure this for 12 million dollars? Well, if a tornado comes through and knocks the thing down and you got to rebuild it, you're going to be happy you had 12 million dollars as opposed to eight million dollars.
1: Yeah. So help us, maybe that's a good place to talk about too. It's like, I can understand that argument because the insurance cost of say a $20 million project, I mean, it can, it can make or break a deal, right? You know, it can change the value of that property so much but how do we think through or justify say that 12 million dollar value associated with insurance versus you know the 8 million dollar purchase price or you know at that time when we're thinking through you know having to build this back or i don't know i was just trying to get that in my mind or even in the listener's mind because i know that's a struggle for many people when they're trying to evaluate insurance
0: yeah i mean the biggest thing is just like i said we look at it and most carriers do on a per square foot cost so just to go out and buy the property it's completely different than if the thing's knocked down and you got to rebuild it from the ground up, There's just more costs involved. So it's always the same thing with your house. You know, it, a lot of times it appraises for one amount and you, you pay more or you can pay less. It just kind of where it falls, but with multifamily, it's gotten a little better with the lenders. But I mean, sometimes you see lenders, you know, a lot of times that can depend on the loan size too. They just want to make sure their loans covered back if something happens. So It's always a big juggling act, but the cost, usually most people, when you explain it to them, hey, if this thing is knocked down in a tornado, it's going to cost you more than $8 million to rebuild all this, all this stuff, all these buildings. So that's where we try to sell them on it.
1: How quickly does the lumber prices affect our insurance rates, or just material costs? You know, I started to get some quotes on building a barn recently, and numerous builders were like, "You know, if you had built this barn a year ago, it'd be like third the cost." (laughs) You know, so you know, and and obviously that made me start doing some more research uh, just in material prices and how they have you know it's increased so much over the last year. How quickly does that affect our insurance?
0: We haven't really seen it affect the actual price yet per se. You know, the market carriers have different relationships with different people and the market is so broad, I think I think it's kind of baked in there almost. You know, rates to me over the last couple years for us have been steadily increasing. But I told a client we had some renewals at the end of March, their insurance actually went down, which I haven't seen. I hadn't seen it go the other way in a few years, so I'm really hoping the for all the buyers out there, the property rates are starting to kind of level off a little bit.
1: What about some closing issues that you've seen? You know, as far as you know, when somebody's working with you know Freddie or Fannie types of debt or anything like that, as far as they didn't have the proper insurance, they didn't do proper due diligence around insurance, anything around closing issues that you've seen cause problems?
0: I will tell you, one of the biggest ones that we see is flood. Is there will be a gray area on which buildings are going to be required to have flood and it can come down to a lender call on you know some of them some of them will say if a flood zone, if it's touching the corner of any part of the building, you've got to insure the the building for flood some of them you can get it you could they'll work with you a little bit they're like, okay, it's a very very small portion. we're not going to do it, but cost for flood is just all over the place. The national flood insurance there have been private markets that have gotten in here lately that have helped out a little bit, but a lot of that, even, you know, you can tell the, you can tell the buyer, say, hey, get some clarification on if you're going to need flood for, for these two buildings, the lender will say no. And then, you know, a week before the closing, it'll, they'll say, hey, by the way, we, you are going to have to have that. And then nobody's happy. You know, it can be $1,500 a building. It can be $2,500 a building. And you just really don't know. So you get the closing and, and flood, even though you think you have it where it's supposed to be, it can change at the last second. Flood and then an umbrella. Umbrellas have gotten a little tougher, just the whole umbrella market. And not that you can't find it. it can just, it's just gotten a little more expensive once you get above 3 to $5 million. And a lender can make some, some different requirements on the umbrella or even like we talked the insurable value can, can change. It's, it can be really difficult or you can think you have everything where it needs to be. And then something could come in last minute, like the, well, we actually need more of this. We need more flood. We can move more umbrella. And then you look like the bad guy because it's going to cost them 5,000 more dollars. But I'm just telling, we can't do this without the lender. So. Right.
1: You know, Stuart, a couple questions. I wanted to go back and ask you about flood just a little bit. So I just interviewed a guy who's an engineer. He helps with flood, planes, things like that. And, you know, he talked briefly about even getting that changed, you know, where, you know, there's things that change that where sometimes they can get that updated. So, it, you know, the property is no longer in a flood zone. I just wondered from your experience, how often you've seen that happen, or is that something you recommend, like hiring somebody like that to help you to figure that out? Maybe that's changed recently in this property or these buildings, you know. We're no longer in a flood zone
0: absolutely I've got a good guy named i don't know who's on your podcast, but we got a guy at flood experts named d j McClure that's him <laughs> okay perfect perfect
1: that's awesome
0: He recently i mean last month he reached out to me six or eight months ago and and we had one that we thought was going to work, and it was sixteen buildings and it didn't work it doesn't always work, but then we had one last month where you know, it saved the guy at his closing and they got it done. They got the letter and released in two weeks. So I would absolutely recommend them. And we send them to a, to a lot of our clients. Even if we don't know if there is an issue, you can send it to them and say, hey, what do you think about these buildings? They can do something something online and get it figured out quickly and say, hey, yeah, we can help or no, we can't. But they're very upfront, which is very good as well. So,
1: yes, it's a small world. Now, it's interesting as a listener, it'd be yesterday's show where, you know, you're going to hear DJ talking about floodplains and potentially, you know, getting that changed. And so talk about saving a lot of money, you know, if that's an option, you know, or maybe even properties that you wouldn't have pursued. Maybe you should pursue now if you have somebody you know, like Stuart, DJ, and your team that can help you think through that a little bit. But now let's jump to the umbrella insurance a little bit, Stuart. You know, you mentioned when dealing with multifamily properties or any commercial properties like that, when should we consider umbrella insurance? Or is it always, is it sometimes, and how much?
0: I would say always um, at, least a, at least a million dollars just to protect yourself. A million dollars a lot of times I mean, it's it can be five hundred dollars annually. I would always recommend at least at least a million dollar. You get up depending on a lot of different factors. It can be it can be a lot more expensive than that. But you get a run of the mill property with no issues, five hundred dollars. And I know we talked about the umbrella. The, I guess from the general liability standpoint, the biggest issue that we've seen lately, and it, it's it has to do with the crime scores, assault and battery coverage. So. A lot of carriers now, they are running, they will Google an apartment complex, and if any sort of shooting, stabbing, anything of that nature pops up, they will want to sublimit your assault and battery coverage. Meaning, hey, well, you've got a million dollars for general liability, but you have a, if you have an assault and battery incident, we'll give you $250,000, and that's it. And that can get... At least around Atlanta and in Georgia, it can change based on judicial climates. Those are some real issues. I mean, you think about how many personal injury attorney billboards you see, if they have a assault and battery in an apartment complex, they are naming they are filing a lawsuit against the property owner for negligent security, anything, and you really do not want to be sublimined on assault and battery.
1: Wow. So, assault and battery coverage. I don't know if anybody's talked about that before. And that's something, say, on a personal level that you should have? Is that what you're saying? Or as the building, the property
0: itself? Just on the property itself, you just want to make sure on your general liability policy that it's not sublimited or it's not excluded. Because if you get it sublimited or excluded, obviously, you're going to have a lot less coverage and then it may not be picked up by your umbrella. So... There, It's just become a bigger and bigger issue that we've run into where carriers are limiting it or they don't want to provide coverage at all because you can turn on the news, unfortunately, and see a lot of bad incidents that have happened. And you think, okay, if I'm a property owner and that happens, I'm going to get I could possibly get named in a lawsuit.
1: Yeah. Well, let's you know. Before we run out and get too close on time, I wanted us to be, you to be able to talk about some pitfalls when reviewing, say, a quote or policy, those things. Often, it's hard to understand a lot of that stuff, right? You get this big document and you don't understand a lot of it that maybe you need to that's so important. Help us to think through some of the bigger pitfalls that most operators are probably overlooking.
0: Like I said, we just talked about the assault and battery. Make sure that's included or that you're clear on how much you have. The other thing, and I like to tell the operators that I work with, When you are pretty serious, even before you send a letter of intent, send me the offering memorandum and we can look at it pretty quickly and say, okay, it's in this area of the country. Just don't believe the offering memorandum. Get some advice from somebody who's read in that area or at least can get some information. And if the offering memorandum says 100,000 and I run it past some people and they're like, oh, it should be 60,000, okay, I'll go back to the operator and say, hey, Figure out some lost history here. There's something going on that they're paying 50, 60% more than they should. There's something going on there. I don't know if it's a fire, if there's a GL claim, you know, there's just a lot of different things that you can overlook just by trusting an offering memorandum, or it can signal, you know, if this offer memorandum is a hundred thousand dollars and they're telling me that it should be 60 or they're telling me they should be 150. Okay. What else is good? Going on in that offering memorandum that may not be what we think it is. So just some things like that, where where you can very quickly figure out, okay, there's something going on at this property with insurance, and I don't know what I don't know what it is from from what they're presenting there.
1: Has there been any issues related to the pandemic, COVID? You know, over the last year that have altered you know insurance
0: in a big way? I wouldn't say anything crazy. The the strange thing for us was. I mean, just talking about COVID and the whole thing is last March and April, everything was still bumming along because there were some deals in the pipeline that were closed. And there were a few people that complained about some terms that had changed maybe at the last minute from the lender. The insurance side, no. And then for me and our office May and June was pretty slow. But I'm telling you, since last July, it has been absolutely gangbusters on the multifamily side. People have been closing deals left and right. It's a little worrisome there, May and June, but then, man, it has not slowed down at all. And like I said, I actually had some renewals where rates finally, I feel like, started going the other way. So I think it's a good time for multifamily. There were, I think the worrisome thing in the beginning was just the rents and, you know, the jobless claims and some things like that. But I feel like a lot of that has leveled off, at least in Georgia and around the southeast. So it really has not, we haven't seen anything crazy from the, from the insurance side. It's, it's been just kept right on rolling.
1: Stuart, is there anything else around insurance you want to leave us with before we move to a few final questions?
0: No, I would just say the main thing that we mentioned earlier, and even if it's not, obviously we'd like, I'd love it for it to be me, but if it's not, just find somebody that has written multifamily and worked with agency loans and knows what you're doing. You know, the offering memorandum, don't just take the word for it if you're about to make a deal. There's so many things that are going on behind the scenes. You have no idea what type of policy the current owner has. Ask them for the policy and you may find out, hey, they've got a $500,000 deductible and they don't have general liability insurance. I mean, it's just you never
1: know. No, that's awesome, Stuart. Definitely need somebody like yourself on our team to help us think through those things. And when we're talking about that kind of expense, I mean, it's very needed for any type of large deal like this. I mean, it can make a break or a deal so quickly. And so we need to know, we need to know that as thoroughly as possible before we ever close on a project. So Stuart, do you have any daily habits that you are disciplined about that have helped you achieve success?
0: I would say one of the best pieces of advice I got when I first got in the business was a guy that, that works with us. And he said, he just simply told me, if you answer the phone and you call people back, you will write more business than you know what to do with. He said, you'll separate yourself from, from 90% of the people. But I do try to be very active on LinkedIn and connect with people, try to find networking events to go to. I try to make a daily habit of at least connecting to LinkedIn people or, You know, shooting emails out to people who have closed in the past and we write stuff for us. Hey, anything you're looking at, anything I can help you with. It's just really being present and and top of mind with your people. Ask them for referrals. I don't want to make it sound too simple, but it's really just simple stuff of doing it every day and being active in it.
1: What's the number one thing that's contributed to your success?
0: I would just say responsiveness. Being open, being transparent, being responsive when somebody sends me an offering memorandum, my first question back to them is, when do you need this back? And hey, let me know when you need it back. We had a guy a couple of weeks ago, he said, man, I completely forgot. It was 11 o'clock on a Friday morning. He's like, can you give me something back by two o'clock? Yeah, do you really need it back by two o'clock? We can do that. It's just being responsive and being transparent about people to people. You know, sometimes they will say, What do you think? A couple months ago, we had some guys that were looking at a property and I I Googled it and I wrote them back. I was like, look, you're not going to be able to get assault and battery coverage on this location. And here's why. And I just said, look, that's fine if you want to do it, but you're not going to be able to get it. It's just not going to happen or it's going to be too expensive. So and I think they ended up not even making an offer because of what I told them. Now, I don't, I don't know if that's good or bad, but I want to not only win, I want them to win the deal, but I don't want them to get on a in a bad situation on one deal where they then can't close anymore down the road.
1: No, you added a ton of value to them right there, I would imagine, by sharing something like that, maybe opening their eyes a little bit to the neighborhood or things that maybe they hadn't thought through enough. Stuart, how do
0: you like to give back? I volunteer at our church, love coaching kids in sports anything that way. But really, probably one of the the favorite things that I did was coaching eight-year-old girls basketball here a couple months ago. Just seeing how much you can pour into kids and they listen to you and figuring out their strengths and weaknesses and kind of going from that. That's a lot of fun.
1: Awesome. Well, Stuart, it's been a pleasure to get to know you and have you on the show and go through the ins and outs or pitfalls and things we need to know about Insurance related to commercial real estate. And then I know we talked about multifamily a lot today, but you know, appreciate your time. Tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you.
0: Yeah, sure. You can email me anytime. My email is Stuart, S T U A R T dot more, M O O R E, and that is at T W S Turner Woodsmith Insurance dot com. That's the easiest place to reach me. Like I said, I try to be active on LinkedIn. So you can find me pretty easily.